The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, Episode Zero, The Introduction. magical beings had to self-isolate here in Middle-earth? What if they were looking for a way home and couldn't leave? What would they do to pass the time? What kinds of stories would they tell? We are living in an otherworldly time. For several weeks our worlds have been other than what we have come to expect or understand. We are making history in our everyday lives in ways that humanity hasn't had to for many generations. For the most part it isn't fun and it's more than a little scary. But we've gone through such times before and lived to tell stories about it. One such storyteller, as you may be aware, was Giovanni Boccaccio, who wrote the Decameron between 1348 and 1353. This work comprises 100 stories told over 10 days by 10 young people who have fled plague-stricken Florence for the country. The stories range from adaptations of greatest hits that would have been very familiar to the medieval imagination to sexy exposés of the great and not-so-good, especially members of the clergy and upper-class women, to tales of fools and urban gossip. In fact, in the Decameron, gossip was the term used in the stories and by the storytellers to describe close confidants who knew all the tales worth telling, as well as some of the stories themselves. The ten storytellers would often describe a tale that they had just heard as delectable, and would hope that theirs would be so judged. That's a word we now mainly reserve for descriptions of attractive food, but it can also be used to describe beautiful or delightful people. And it applies to the act of gossiping, as if we are taking part in a selective banquet that conveys the choicest pieces of news to the ears of the avid listener. There were two sets of stories being told in Boccaccio's Decameron, the stories shared by the tellers each day, and those unfolding around their lives together as they navigated the experience of trying to escape the plague. Granted, the seven fair ladies and three young gallants could afford to try and escape, staying as they did at each other's estates outside the city. And they were young and in and out of love fairly regularly, though Boccaccio made his tellers refrain officially from getting up to the kinds of shenanigans that went on in some of their stories. Despite the explicit nature of certain tales, Boccaccio also had a masterful way of leaving things to the imagination. As far as I can tell, among the storytellers over the week and a half, there is at least one breakup, one unrequited passion, and one new relationship. And one of the tellers has the same name as the author's lifelong sweetheart. I'm not here to gossip in the sense that we use it today. I'm not interested in revealing the private lives of real people, particularly as that can get more than a little mean, and in these times we need kindness and a bit of wonder. There are myths about how the world broke asunder through the wrong actions of a misguided hero. The act of telling the tale became the first step in healing the earth. Honestly, I haven't lived through times when the world has seemed any more broken than it is now. Though in recent days, 
the murder of George Floyd has once again highlighted the problem of entrenched racism throughout North America and across the globe, underscoring a pernicious and deadly force in our communities of another kind, though one that, unlike COVID-19, is completely within our control. Resistance and change begin with each of us. To paraphrase a Leonard Cohen song, there are and always have been cracks in everything, and this time we must not fail to let the light in. I grew up on the west coast of Canada during peacetime. I've known hunger, but it was generally because I was living as an artist or a student and I could only work at other things so many hours because I had to study or make my art with the rest of my days and most of my nights come to that. It was a choice and a challenge at the time, but not a permanent condition imposed on me by systemic deprivation. I've been without my own place, but never actually homeless. As a woman with a visible disability, I have learned to watch where I go alone in public, and sometimes I trip or fall. My personal experiences of law enforcement range from humiliating to terrifying, where involuntary faltering has led in some cases to rude or dismissive remarks, and in others to accusations of substance abuse with threats of arrest. However, I know that were I of African heritage, or First Nations, or Asian, and a disabled woman, I would likely not be here to tell stories now. My voice would have been silenced long ago. Of necessity, I live a rather restricted life of quiet moderation that many able-bodied people would probably find boring, and have practiced what is now called social distancing as a way of life for many years, though it wasn't the way I would have chosen to live if a choice had been possible. That said, I've never lived with something largely unknown that could kill me if I caught it or take those I love. Until now. We live our lives like little stories, but sometimes a big one comes along and the choice put before us is tell your part or be silent. This is my little part of one of the big stories we are all living through, one that we will remember and talk about long after this is over, at least until the years pass by and through generations we forget, and something else like this brings us up short, and we have to help tell the world whole again as best we can. But we will never be the same. In some ways, that will be for the best. We have an opportunity to learn new ways of taking care of each other and our world. Telling a story that might give a listener pause, a few moments of diversion, something to wonder about and maybe pass on is one of the things I can do. If it's any consolation, never being the same again gives us something in common with heroes in many stories. The heroes go full circle by the end, but don't quite wind up in the same place. They are certainly wiser sometimes sadder, and forever changed by their experiences. So are we all. Stories for me often start with a question or scenario. My tales come from the myths and folklore that are part of my heritage and my imagination. At the start of this project, I asked myself, how would a fairy tale hero or villain handle lockdown? What if there was more than one and they did or did not get along? The stories unfolded from there, and so, going back to older ideas of gossip and feasting, I'm going to dish every week on my characters, both the tales they've deemed worth telling and their own as they develop. And I hope you find the result delectable, and keep tuning in as often as you can. So for about ten minutes a week over the coming year, I will tell you the next part of this story. At the beginning... My four main characters will decide the direction of the tale, just as the tellers did in Boccaccio's Decameron, according to the themes and rules of order they set for each day. You will hear from a villain, 
a prince, who might also be something of a fool or a dreamer from time to time, and a couple of underdogs, or perhaps under-dragons, if you want to get otherworldly about it. After a few weeks, I'll give listeners a chance to vote on where they want the story to go next by means of a survey question in the podcast notes. My Decameron is also spelt differently, with a K after the C. It's deliberate. I would tell you why now, but let's just say that would be showing my hand. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful, storied place, the ancestral lands of the Snamuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.